Hi, thank you so much, Carolee. So I'm Jace. And I'm Fanny. Welcome to Freelance Exchange. Speak to a freelancer about freelancing and the gig economy. Now, usually we speak to a freelancer, but today we are actually stepping out of that little bit and we had a very special guest today. Okay. <laughs> TEDx speaker and CEO and founder of Dramatica, we have the exquisite opportunity of having Carolee Hendricks down with us here in Singapore and in our recording studio today. Hi, Carolee. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Singapore is almost like my second home already. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to see you more often, actually. You will, yeah. you will. Right. Um, maybe for a start, would you like to share with us a bit about yourself mm-hmm. and also about the company um, so that our audiences can understand mm-hmm. a bit more about mm-hmm. you? So maybe uh, firstly then about Chabadical. So Chabadical is um, basically a community of um, ready-to-relocate tech and business and creative talent. Mm-hmm. Basically, everybody from the talent side who joins Chabadical joins because they want to work in another country and from the other hand we connect them to the enterprises organizations around the world right now we work with organizations across 49 countries who are uh, lacking certain skills locally or would just right uh, like to bring uh, culture add to their teams so so this is what the platform does but the shortly about myself uh, I actually became an entrepreneur when I was 16 from a, a student uh, project. I um, from a student company grew out my first company. I became the youngest inventor in my country. It was a very inspiring uh, experience realizing that as a 16-year-old you can invent something that will change people's lives and you don't have to have a PhD to do that mm-hmm. that you can be a simple girl. Um so from there like I have said that I got addicted to making a difference and I couldn't let go. So uh, so I have been being an entrepreneur since high school. So that's my <laughs> <laughs> Singapore only started the drive into entrepreneurship I would say only about less than two decades ago. Yeah. But till now um you know we still have a struggle in terms of getting people to think outside the box, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the parents would tell their kids, you know, no, I want you to be a doctor, a I lawyer. want you to be a lawyer or I want you to join a bank. So is that the kind of environments that you see, you know, from where you're coming from? So I think where I come from, first of all, I come from Estonia, which is a tiny country. I, I call it the Singapore of Europe. It's a very, it's today most digitally advanced country in the world um, and a lot of entrepreneurship. To be honest, when I started, um, thinking back, this was a country which in 1991 regained its independence from Soviet Union, which occupied the country for 50 years. And every person in the country had to start with um, basically 15 Singapore dollars. That's mm-hmm. what everybody got, not more. So that's how you had to build your life. So I think the fact that people had to build their lives from that mm-hmm. and the country had to be rebuilt from that made uh, people very entrepreneurial yeah. because you need yeah. to be entrepreneurial to figure out how to co- out, kind of come out from that. Yeah. And... and uh, I have also looked back, you know, my conversation, even you were mentioning like parents saying that you should be a lawyer. I had this moment with my father where I came home and I told that I have this idea. And he told me that it's such a good idea. Go to the patent office. I didn't know what a patent office is, but I go- I didn't Google, but I found from the yellow pages and I went there. But I have wondered if my father would have told me forget about it, go and study, become a doctor, would I ever be here? Mm. So I think it's very important what we actually say and how we encourage young people in Mm. that very vulnerable time. So for Mm. me, I was lucky that my father really kind of gave me the confidence and that really changed my life. 
Mm, right. So essentially, um, you know, so if, if let's say we were to take a step back, going back to Jabatical. So essentially, Jabatical looks at matching um, people mm. with the right skill sets to the right team, right? Or yep. the right jobs. So it's kind of very much um, similar in the form of like freelancing, you know, mm. freelancers, um, where currently in the country in Singapore, it's just starting to mm. actually kind of take gain off. Traction, yeah. yeah, gain traction in that sense with the Singapore government coming in to acknowledge, right, mm. this group mm. of um, specialised um, talent, you know. So um, just a bit or about uh, why do you decided to set up this platform? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is the motivation behind mm-hmm. this? Yeah, my motivation or the idea actually came from a few things. So first of all, I actually, I was before before Chubadical, I, I had been actually in media business. I had uh, mm-hmm. led the launch of seven television channels in the yeah. Baltics, like MTV, National Geographic channels, Fox Entertainment channels. And I was there for seven years and starting pretty young, but learning fast quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I kind of at one fall, uh, point felt a little bit bored. I felt that this sitting here only in the mm. Baltic region, doing the same faces, same, mm. that I would love to take myself out to a different cultural environment, maybe learn, uh, take the knowledge that I have and mm. help an earlier stage company to build up a media channel, for example. Right. And I realized that nobody's actually using that group of people who has already been in the workforce. There's a lot for interns, which mm. is great as well. Yeah. But interns come out from school, they don't have the experience. Yeah. But the knowledge actually comes with people who already are in the workforce. So that was one realization. Then um, uh, I was also lucky then from, I call it my own chopatical. Mm-hmm. I was lucky to get to Singularity University, which is like mm-hmm. in a think tank in uh, Silicon Valley yeah. in NASA Ames. So mm-hmm. I was there for three months. And and I remember there was a moment actually where I had the chabatical idea and it was I, I was running in the morning. Every morning I went running and I passed the Google campus and mm-hmm. you see like, you know, the power of kind of uh, this house has changed the whole world. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of wondering why are those kind of companies emerging from here, mm-hmm. not anywhere else? Mm-hmm. Isn't like it's not like everybody in Silicon Valley woke up and were smarter than anybody else on the planet. Right. <laughs> so it's it cannot be the case. It cannot be the food that they eat. It should be something else. And I realized it's the kind of the knowledge or knowledgeable people who are drawn there. So I started to wonder, coming from a small country and myself, how could we draw the knowledgeable people to the locations that they might not consider as obvious career choices? So how could they want to move to Estonia or mm. Singapore mm. or Denmark instead of Silicon Valley and yeah. and kind of discover how it is to live a local life in a local team while contributing with their skills and knowledge. Um, so basically that's what we started to do. So mm. the idea around Chabatical started from my thought of that the change actually happens when you, when you distribute knowledge. Mm. We can bring as much money to a, a community as we want, but if they don't have the knowledge what to do with them, that money, mm. nothing will change. So it all starts with the people and the knowledge. So that was kind of the original uh, right. back, background of the inspiration. That, that is so interesting. Yeah, I think that is like freelancing 2.0. <laughs> when you bring it across a a global platform but I think that's where it will be because right now actually we are living in the um, now I'm quoting my TED talk but we are living in the era of highest human uh, mobility in the recorded history so basically people have never moved as much as they are right now and I think it's very 
it, it totally makes sense because if you think how we are connected today versus mm. 20 years ago, mm. uh, like 20 years ago, our connections were nearby. They mm. were around our, you know, yeah. where we hanged yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you traveled and then you had a friend, but then you forgot about a friend unless you were, you know, uh, persistent enough to write right. emails yeah. or send letters. Yeah. But now we are so connected through the network. Yeah. So, you you know, my friends in, in, in Singapore or mm. Australia or Japan mm. are much more... Uh, like me than mm -hmm. most of people in Estonia because mm -hmm. you know we are more connected about the like-mindedness mm -hmm. rather than what is our nationality right, right. which right. means that we are also much more comfortable about the world which mm -hmm. means that we can much more easily move around mm -hmm. and I think that's something that countries will have to start really consider I think countries in very many ways not the most innovative ones, they are, I think, ahead. But mm -hmm. like if you think about what's going on in the United States right mm -hmm. now, I think countries still have the illusion that they will decide mm -hmm. where people go. But mm -hmm. now people are starting to decide where they go. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that will make the difference of the future of the country, right? Yeah, yeah. So I must say you must be, you are very forward thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. this whole talent mobility thing. But what are some of the challenges that mm -hmm. you face when you first, mm -hmm. uh, you know, set up um Dramatical and trying to get it up and running. Mm -hmm. Challenge. I mean, definitely policy is a challenge uh, mm -hmm. because, I mean, we cannot, for example, Chabatical, we, we work with the US companies only who work uh, with, uh, who hire remote people mm -hmm. because, I mean, immigration in the United yeah. States is, uh, is ridiculously difficult, right? So policies or the framework set by the um, uh, governments are uh, can can support or uh, not support us. So policy mm -hmm. definitely is, and and then for us definitely something that we are really um, kind of uh, passionate about changing. And in some countries we have already managed to get there. Is the fact that does it really matter what your passport is? Like mm -hmm. if you think about if you are a UX designer. Mm -hmm. Does it matter if you were uh, born in Pakistan or in Germany, yeah. mm. if you're a great UX designer? So the question is, we're still defining people by the statistical error, which was where they accidentally were born. Mm. Uh, and actually, passport is something that has existed only 100 years. So it's a very recent innovation. <laughs> yeah. But does it already make sense if you think about the today's world? Mm. So I think uh, today when we're working, we. we talk about, for, for example, Estonian government, mm. then uh, there we have managed to help the government and we're in constant dialogue to, I mean, you can get a work permit within 24 hours with less mm. than $200. Uh, it's uh, now we're talking about digital nomad visa, which mm. I'm happy to cover uh, later on. Mm. So I think, and this is a government who's really, who has acknowledged that if we don't get the people, mm. then who will build the economy? Yeah. So they are doing everything to adapt to the modern world. Mm -hmm. And I think Singapore is very similar in the mindset, right? So so I think our challenge and opportunity is how fast the countries yeah. will adapt to yes. the changing workforce. Yeah. So is that one of the reasons that brought you to Singapore? Yes. Yeah. yes. So here in Singapore, we are, we just hired the first Singaporean. We, are, has set, we have set up the office for the um, a region and we are hiring the second Singaporean so we are establishing our second uh, official uh, like operational office uh, so our um, headquarters is in Tallinn Estonia mm -hmm. where we have people now I think it's 42 people from 19 nationalities oh, wow. 
who have, or they all came through Chibatical, or most of them came through Chibatical, and they flew in uh, uh, to build our vision. So I think that's really inspiring. And I think that's where the world will be. Like, your career shouldn't be defined by where you accidentally were born and live, but maybe the best team is, you know, you have to circle the world and then uh, get there. I think for us at Creative Works, that's something that we have mm-hmm. also been driving, especially to our client, right? So it doesn't matter whether, you know, the talent is your full-time, full-time staff mm-hmm. or it's an independent mm-hmm. um, so-called vendor yeah. or individual freelancers, so long as it's what made a great team, right? Mm-hmm. And the right skill sets, you know, exactly. the right mindset is the most important. But I'm just wondering, because you mentioned you have 42 people in mm-hmm. Estonia from 90 over countries. How do you manage the cultural diversities, you know, <laughs> among this group of people? You know, do you have any... Or even language challenges. Yeah, exactly. We basically, uh, we hired our first person uh, in 2015 who was from Argentina. So he moved right. from Argentina to Estonia. So uh, our we kind of started from the scratch by being culturally diverse. So we right. decided English is our main language. Mm-hmm. Um I think the and this is where something that we're also advocating very much to the companies that we're working with. Mm-hmm. I, like there's this kind of um, if I think back about uh, every conversation I have had with HR people and they say to me that we only hire culture fit, mm-hmm. then I would like to challenge yeah. that. If you hire culture culture fit, you usually hire people who are just like you. And if you hire people who are just like you, it's really great to find agreeable people. But does that take your business further? Mm. So I think for us, I see how the cultural difference has actually uh, brought, you know, different ways of looking at things and has Mm. challenged me so many times. And the challenge actually helps us to get further. Mm. Of course, there are little things where, you know, um, you have Americans who are much more maybe, you know, Outspoken. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you have somebody from YouTube who is making a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you try to find them. Uh, but, yeah, but you end up finding that both sides learn something new. And now, and then they work happily together. But this is, I think, part of the culture ad that you, on one hand, bring something new, but also every counterpart will take away something new, right? Mm. So. I think that is very important, um, especially, you know, in Singapore, we are talking about four different races, right? Yeah. So we have the Chinese, the Malay, the Indians, and, and the Indian regions. Mm-hmm. So for us, um, you know, it's very important that mm-hmm. we live harmony together. In fact, exactly. that is actually one of the, I would say, main reasons why Singapore, you know, can convert ourselves from a third world country to first world country mm-hmm. within 50 years. So I think that is actually That's a very important. good point. And I think yeah. that's something that I really admire about Singapore. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Every time I land in Changi Airport or at Changi Airport, I, I have this feeling like the, this is like this diverse. I mean, you yeah. see all types of people and this is so good. I think that's something I sometimes miss in Northern Europe. It's still yeah. not there yet. Yeah, I but think we, I think yeah. there's one thing with um, Singapore. I, I mean, the youths are starting to open up and then to embrace, you know, traveling, things like that. But there are still a big majority of us who are still a bit conservative in, you know, um, having the, the digital nomad kind of lifestyle. So can you share with us some of the advantages of adopting, you know? Do, do, I th- so I can start from the fact that, I mean, I, I think that also is why I had the idea of Chobatical is that when I was 17, I actually fulfilled my first big dream, which was Mm. I spent a year as an exchange student in the United States. Mm. And if I think back about this year, I mean, you're 17 and Mm. you're alone in like, I think it was like 5,000 miles from home. That completely changed me in the way that you suddenly, I think what it, it does to you is that first of all, it just opens your eyes about, you know, 
things that you think are black mm. and then suddenly you understand there are so many more colors there are so you think the things you know you have had mindset of things and then you have to adapt to a different mindset you become much more humble mm. but also there's a lot of studies around how this enhances your creativity mm. so basically being able to having lived in different culture mm. cultures it means that you can start to make new type of connections mm. uh, and that basically there's such a creativity boost uh, that comes from living between different uh, cultural and I, that that's not like if you travel for two weeks and you know are in the tourist area resort and get your pina colada <laughs> that's not where you get the cultural like different kind of thing but I mean like really embracing the local being part of something mm-hmm. like that is completely out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. that will create basically a new way of looking at things and that will help to make you actually more creative. Mm-hmm. So I and I, that's something that we see also more and more that recruiters are looking for international experience, mm-hmm. which means that yeah. that this will become your advantage mm-hmm. when you are building your career as a freelancer or mm-hmm. as an employee. Yeah. But regarding uh, freelancers, I think one of the things yeah. that we see is that a lot of freelancers use us. Even in our own team, we have mm-hmm. freelancers who are now hired full time because mm-hmm. they but one of the reasons for that is that for international career right now mm. there's no way to legally be employed as a freelancer mm. yeah. if you yeah. un- unless you live in your home country so if you yeah. live outside your home country yeah. i mean what we you know we, we talked about digital nomads mm. then which is according to some statistics mm. already millions of people who are living like that mm. right mm. what they do today or because they're ha- they don't have any options is that they use usually enter the country with a tourist visa mm. and then live there then leave mm. for some time and then come back because yeah. there's no other way because right now legally you can be employed by a local employer mm. or your spouse lives uh, yeah. or works there yeah. But there's no way for you to enter a country and work as a freelancer. Mm. What it in reality actually means is that let's say that there's an organization, let's mm. say it's IBM, mm. who, um, and I think IBM has quite a bit of uh, um, flexible work already, mm. right? Mm. So let's say IBM says that it's okay for you to go and travel, work mm. remotely, work from ever. Mm. Now the person goes to a country, let's say it's Singapore, and works from Singapore. Um, then as soon as he or she opens the computer, they are actually working illegally. Yeah. But they have no other way to do that. Mm. So that was something that we started to notice. Mm. And that's why when uh, it was, I think, first time in 2016, mm. at, in December, when I had a chat with the Estonian president, and I mentioned that, mm. that have you ever thought about the workforce yeah. that doesn't have any kind of policy support? Mm. And uh, now this year, uh, uh, after several discussions around mm-hmm. this topic, the uh, the Estonian Interior Ministry turned to us t- okay. to help uh, to figure out the digital nomad visa. Okay. So their plan is to get it launched, or how do you say, environmental, basically yeah. m- m- uh, make it effective uh, mm-hmm. from the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. And basically that would, they're still putting, or we are together putting together the criteria. Mm-hmm. But uh, the idea of that is that basically you can be a, a freelancer, mm-hmm. contractor, uh, you know, servicing different kinds of clients. Right. You can be uh, um, and uh, an entrepreneur who has a small agency and mm-hmm. servicing different and working as a freelancer, mm-hmm. location independent. So, for example, if you're a constructor, mm. it's very hard to be location independent, yeah. uh, unless, like my colleague said, you have very long hands. <laughs> But, uh, uh, or uh, the other criteria is you are an employee of a mm. 
organization uh, in another country. So let's right. say the IBM case, yeah. you're working yeah. for IBM, yeah. you can apply for the digital nomad visa. Yeah. You have to have a proof of like monthly income, mm -hmm. uh, which, mm -hmm. and we actually are putting that criteria together mm -hmm. after asking the community. So we did a mm -hmm. survey on the digital nomad community mm -hmm. asking their opinion, what the criteria should be and what their problems are. So, uh, but basically then uh, the visa will be initially one year. Mm. And the goal for Estonia is that those people would actually want to stay there uh, uh, and make them very easy tra transition if they want to stay there uh, later to get either work permit or mm. uh, to you know extend the digital nomad visa. Mm. But that visa would also give uh, an access to Schengen, uh, but uh, with a limitation of 90, 90 days then. Right, so right. So it means that you can travel around 90 days, but you and, uh, the rest of the time you have to be in the country. Right. Mm, that's wow. interesting. But yes. I, I mean, and yeah. this would be then the first country who yeah. will recognize <laughs> that there is a workforce mm. uh, that is working in a new ways mm. and uh, that will create a legal way. So you don't have to shiver every time you go to the immigration <laughs> that will I get in this time or will I not get in this time? Yeah. And I think, uh, and, I mean, for our, uh, what we hope with this, uh, why we're really yeah. keen helping Estonia with that is that other countries will start to follow uh, because I mm, think yeah. it's ridiculous that we are not acknowledging a group of, and everybody's talking about it, but, mm. uh, but we have no policy acknowledging yeah. that group of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, other than Estonia government, which other governments are you also talking to with regards to this um, mm. digital nomad visa? Uh, so, what I mean, definitely, we have already had a conversation around that uh, with Singapore. Uh, really? um, we have. <laughs> <laughs> How was the reception? <laughs> I mean, uh, we have we have shared the Estonian example. Uh, yeah. Also, Malaysian government is doing something oh, interesting yeah. in that. Okay. Uh, regarding uh, digital nomad visa. I can't say, we have talked about work, like immigration topics. Right. I have talked to uh, many governments across Europe, right. uh, but regarding digital nomad visa, um, we haven't had that much conversations just yet because mm. it's not still, as soon as it will go live, mm. we will showcase it mm -hmm. uh, and this will be, and yeah. I mean, it has got a huge media coverage already right. from United States to Europe to right. Japan. Uh, there's a lot of talk and questions we get. We are getting about it, for, which from Japanese uh, freelance community, for example. Okay, okay. But well, I think that would be interesting visiting um, Japan all along has been a, quite a, I would say, inclusive. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it would be good if, let's say, we mm -hmm. start to see more mm -hmm. movements. Yeah, exactly. Through Japan, Japan, yeah. Through we actually had a, it was very funny because when we had the first digital nomad yeah. visa meeting. Right. It took place uh, at the Estonian uh, our um, headquarters, right? So, Chabadical office. So, we had Estonian Interior Ministry, Estonian uh, Ministry of Economic Affairs, mm -hmm. Estonian Police and Border Guard, Chabadical e-residency team. I don't know if you know them, but e-residency is another great uh, innovation we can talk about separately. A digital uh, citizenship of Estonia. Mm -hmm. And also remotely, we had remote year and different mm -hmm. platforms. So we had a government meeting with people sitting in Kuala Lumpur, Bali, oh. <laughs> Tallinn, Vilnius. And I was thinking that this is such a great example yeah. of where we should go. Like yeah. this is, it's not like you have a government uh, uh, policy meeting mm -hmm. in a small Yes. kind of uh, yes. office yeah. and everybody yeah. sitting there, but you have remote people, right. you know, people thinking with you who are not mm -hmm. even part of your country. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that was, uh, that was a very inspiring meeting.
Yeah. yeah, we have so much to learn from. <laughs> Do you think everybody should give it a try then? You know, to actually you take one year sabbatical of where they're doing and just go to a country yeah, that they want to immerse. Themselves. Yeah. I think everybody should. So is it one year or is it three years? So I, I think it's more about getting out from your comfort zone. I mm. think it's... Uh, I really like there's a saying that uh, the thing that can teach you most in your professional life is taking yourself as m- into as many uncomfortable situations as possible. So uh, going abroad is not something that will be only lollipops and butterflies, right? But it's so exciting if you embrace it. And this will change the way you think. And I think if we think about what's going on right now in the world... Uh, again, looking at the United States of America, for example, or Brexit, uh, I don't think those things would be possible if all people would have lived in another culture. Yeah. Mm. Because, and this is very much like the cultural difference, which is actually just a, f- a fear mm. about the difference mm. because you don't have experience with uh, a different. So if if you are and if you are somebody who has a friend who is Muslim, you can never mm-hmm. say that all Muslims are bad. Yeah. But if you have no idea what it actually means, then you are kind of locked in your small world. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody should live in another mm-hmm. country. And I think we will go to the era mm-hmm. where we are we have much more courage and support to do that. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of challenges for an individual to just go over to a country that they're not familiar with and then start looking for jobs. Speaking as a Singaporean. There's a lot of fears. Yeah. That's why we have Jamaican. Like, we find the jobs, right? So you, you find the job already. So, but how about the... Um, what are some of the challenges? Mm. Or, or rather, I would say, uh, what the advice that you give mm. to an individual mm. before they even start? You yeah. Know? yeah. What some Is of there the, any prep work? Yeah, do they emotionally? I think the big preparation, the biggest, uh, maybe in that sense, yeah, you need to find a job and we're trying to help with that uh, uh, we can try uh, we are also kind of uh, possibly if it's needed we can help with immigration we have immigration support actually in uh, over 40 countries right. uh, but I think the biggest thing what I have seen when, when things go wrong is mm. uh, is when the person goes to another country but expects mm. to see home so, mm. uh, like, if you go to another country and expect to see the food that you ate at home, mm. expect to mm. see everything being the same, and that has we have seen that. Uh, luckily, very few, but uh, this is where the frustration... So, basically, when you go to another country, you have to be open your mind mm. and kind of realize, I'm not going home right now, I'm going to another country, which means the food will be different mm. and you will enjoy it because it is different. And that's mm. the part of the experience, right? So I think kind of the first step is understanding that it will be a different country, not your home. Right. And uh, I think from there, just uh, um, what, and that's actually a good question, something that we are starting to do more and more on the mm-hmm. platform. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't been doing that much yet, but how to kind of really prepare you for the interviews, because there are mm-hmm. also interview cultural differences and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what my team is working on. So it's a very good question. Uh, how to be more prepared, let's say, what the European mm-hmm. different countries, let's say, what the German recruiter is expecting from you and yada yada. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the main big thing is your own preparation, which means that... Um, your mindset has to be ready for a change. Mm. Uh, and another thing is that when you're kind of introducing yourself, you have to really think through that for that recruiter whom you are now going to be communicating, mm. um, 
it's not so basically they need a little bit more introduction right. than somebody who might work you know in the next building mm. to you so really mm. thinking about their aspect of it like yeah. how they kind of if you would have somebody from let's say Estonia mm. wanting to join your team like how would you like them to introduce themselves to mm. you so really thinking through how you actually yeah. build that bridge yeah. but yeah I think the mindset is the uh, biggest yeah. So so then my next question is then that's on an individual side. But how about like company like ourselves? If let's mm-hmm. say we want to mm-hmm. open up to get, you know, mm-hmm. um, people of another culture yeah. to join us, you know, what's some of the preparation that we mm-hmm. need to get ready to in order for the experience to be rewarding for both of us from so, a company perspective? From my my first question is, uh, yeah, is it your would it be your first international person, somebody coming yeah. from overseas? So I think the first <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I think the first thing is that basically. Um, yeah so uh, the first thing would be that think uh, kind of thinking really from the first let's say lunch that you have together to really start building things uh, that are that, that will make that person inclu- included mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't know the cultural environment there so you have to introduce so there has to be so what we recommend usually is to have somebody in the team mm-hmm. assigned as a buddy Mm. Uh, so basically somebody who would be like you go to person when they have a question that you didn't even know that is a question you know mm. where do you buy something mm. you just go and buy it but they have no idea where to even start looking in Singapore it's easier like if you go to a country where you don't have even the science or you know you cannot read it so but in Singapore it's a little bit easier right. but uh, but just what we would recommend first is to have somebody who's assigned like a let's say the first two months mm. a buddy Somebody you can go and trust, even if you want to go to a doctor, you can just mm. go and ask, you know, what do you recommend mm. uh, so that they would feel safe mm. uh, because they might not go to see you. And I think you don't want yeah. uh, with that every that question get yeah. to you as well. Mm. So that would be first thing. And the other to really maybe design the first week, like mm. what is, you know, you know, the first welcome lunch together explaining a little bit you know that's how we work that's how when we have lunches that's those are the things that we're talking about mm-hmm. because i remember we had a case where an uh, an european actually joined the singapore company and he had really hard time understanding like for example there was an issue with understanding how important uh, team lunches were so he liked to code when they had lunch (laughs) and then he had suddenly discovered that he was so excluded and he didn't realize that it was because that those lunches were when important things were discussed Mm -hmm. he just thought that you know they are going out for lunch Mm -hmm. so really maybe making it clear you know Mm -hmm. like to a Mm four-year-old what what how you work and what your Mm -hmm. expectations are uh, Mm -hmm. in the kind of just in the social environment Mm -hmm. And then assign a body, I think that would be like two things. So what are some of the most common, I would say, position that you see yeah. that's opening up to international talent mm-hmm. like this? Uh, I mean, engineering definitely is. Okay. Uh, uh, engineering is uh, so, and there, I mean, it could be from Ruby or to... Um, uh, I mean, everybody's looking for artificial intelligence or machine learning experts, right? So, uh, but also from from our end, what we see is a lot of like UX designers, like Mm -hmm. I said, senior uh, front end, back end, uh, Mm -hmm. senior front end uh, people, um, senior uh, designers overall, Mm -hmm. um, and also marketing, but senior level marketing. Mm -hmm. So, so we have quite a bit of success with placing marketing positions both Mm -hmm. in Europe and Asia. Wow. 
Okay. Right. Okay, before we let you go... No, 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 I have another question. (laughs) I mean, this is a very common question, but I just wanted to hear from you. What do you think is the future of work going to look like? Future of work? I think this is a very... um, wide question uh, I, I don't think it has one answer but I do think that uh, um, in that sense I'm very much an optimist um, and uh, and I do think that one change that automation for example will change and is already changing actually yeah. is that uh, automation will give us uh, much more time to you use the creative power that we actually came here with mm-hmm. so if, if somebody's doing that job right then you actually can step back and use what you have here. And I think Mm -hmm. people will be very important part Mm -hmm. of like next automation. We are the creators of Mm -hmm. like our minds will have much more freedom Mm -hmm. to create. Um, I think the big question there is how do we distribute the wealth and how that will happen? You know, all the, you know, basic salary discussions and so on. Uh, But I do think that people will have much more ways to use the power that we actually came here with mm-hmm. um, but what is the future work I think uh, another I mean if we talk about talent mobility I think uh, what the countries which I a uh, little bit my, like I mentioned before but I think the countries will start to understand that talent will decide the success and failures of economies and uh, which means that countries will have to redefine how they operate mm. so it, it's it's not anymore that I sit with those people mm. I mean Singapore has seen it already for years that has yeah. been part of your success mm. but in most countries you kind of have been sitting with this group of people that we decided that has this passport and now they sit here but now they don't sit here anymore and, and the question is that how do you get how do you become like a service how do you attract the best mm. people mm. so I think um, the future work in that sense will be much more global mm. and people will be uh, so Attracting people will be like a big thing what the countries will have to uh, start focusing. And that means also, the uh, again, we were talking about user experience. I think the countries will definitely have to start thinking about the user experience of a country. Because if you create barriers, yeah. I mean, like you look at America right now, we have seen the decline of like international mm. interest, yeah. even to go and travel there, mm. not talking about studying, which has mm. dropped enormously. Mm. So if you create barriers or fear that will mean that people don't want to come here. So they will go go somewhere else. Mm. So you have to really start thinking Mm. uh, about the user experience. And I've said once that uh, I believe that in the future, the governments will have the minister of user experience. (laughs) (laughs) Like somebody who actually is in charge of thinking about that because it's such an important thing. I mean, in Estonia, like for example, we have talked about my country a bit, but... It's such a, this country has amazing user experience because I can start a company within 10 minutes online. Mm. I can do taxes. I, I did my taxes la- last year. Um, I was in South Korea mm. in two minutes from airport lounge online. I voted for the elections when I was in Tokyo mm-hmm. online. <laughs> I mean, it's just so easy that you don't even, you know, we see, uh, really uh, seriously, we spend almost zero time mm. on public kind of uh, bureaucracy Um, so and I think that is something that countries will have to think about also foreign Uh, so in that sense bringing in talent and how to make their experience great Mm. 
That's yeah. interesting. I think if we have a minister of user, user experience, <laughs> it probably will rest within the Ministry of Tourism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has to be economic. It has to tie in with the economic value of the country. <laughs> right. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, so yeah. so this is the last question before we let you go, right? Yeah. Um, so this is the usual question that we always ask our guests. Um, so what is the one piece of advice that you would give to your, your younger, younger self? self? Yeah, I know that very well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so so how short do you want me to say that? I think the biggest yeah. uh, for me the biggest learning has been uh, how to say no. Uh, and it sounds ridiculous, but it's so important. And uh, when I was when I started my first business, and I was became so famous so fast, uh, I suddenly discovered that I'm like ninety percent of the time I'm spending talking about what I'm doing instead of doing it. <laughs> so really focusing and asking the question with every like if I as an entrepreneur or as somebody building a business to really think. Okay, I get a request. Does that help my business? Mm. Does it help my family? Mm. Does it help my health? If it mm. doesn't, then I shouldn't do it. Mm. And I'm a lot of people don't like me because I say no so much now. <laughs> but uh, but definitely, I like we are wasting. We don't even notice how much time we waste because we are afraid to say no, yeah. or we don't want to disappoint other people. Yeah. But if you don't do that, you are disappointing yourself. So yeah. I think. For me, that has been painful learning. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. I think that's yeah. something that we also share with some of our freelancers. When we even for us, when we first started out, right, five years ago, uh, we, we say yes to everything. Yeah, we <laughs> say no, right? Even like a hundred dollars job, which is probably may not worth it, but we will still say yes because we uh, hope that the the client will yeah. come back. Oh, we are worried if we say no, the client will never come back again, yeah. right? But then after doing it, then we realize that actually, you know, it doesn't make no. sense. We yeah. should have said no because we couldn't put in hundred percent of our effort, right, mm-hmm. to do something that mm-hmm. we will be proud of. Right. And yet, at the same time, you know, um, there's so many, so much things that the client cost. Expect, yeah, expecting, expect, yeah, expect us to deliver. And of course, plus the opportunity cost. So in the end, now we also find that this is very important. So we have to learn how to say no in a very nice way. Exactly. <laughs> Asian of, way. Yeah, Asian way. So one of the, <laughs> I don't know whether it's proper for me to say that, but one of the ways is, you know, when, when we receive a job and then we find that it actually it's not worth our effort. So what we did was we deliberately a very high cost <laughs> so then the client will say oh no lah you know too expensive cannot you know so mm. hopefully then you mm. know it seems like they are the one who is rejecting us and not the other way around so a very yeah. Asian way of doing right if they would agree then you, it would be worth the time right yeah, exactly <laughs> so that's just one of the techniques that we have learned over the last five, the last five years to come up with this technique I think it's very clever I mean yeah and I, I just uh, every time now uh, I'm uh, saying no to big speaking engagements, uh, right. but I just know that it's not going to help us. And every time you say no, right, it feels so good. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you just drag yeah, this. Uh, yeah, you said yeah. yes. Now there is expectation. You know yeah. you cannot meet them. Yeah. So it's just so much, and all that brain power that you save from being anxious like you would be anxious about the thing you can now use that on the things that you have to work on yeah Yeah. that's right that's right great okay thank you so much thank you so much for your time time. thank Thank you so thank you for for tuning in Um, yeah another episode for the freelance exchange so subscribe to iTunes and leave a review so subscribe to our YouTube page and leave a comment because we want to hear what you think let us know the questions or the freelancer you want to hear from 
and follow us at Creatives at Work on Facebook page and Instagram. So join us next time for a brand new episode of Freelance Exchange. Until now, Bye. see you. Bye.